Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 161st ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing well. Kyle, happy birthday. Oh, thank Woo. you. Thank you very much. Producer Cameron, happy late birthday. It oh, was yesterday. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, we do those back-to-back every year. Man. Wow. Special time. It is. Congratulations, both of you. Yeah, it's a big day. Yeah. You got big plans? <laughs> no. Are not you, really. Did you take off work today or anything? No, I, no, I have a pretty long day, actually. But I am going to go out to dinner with my family tonight, so that'll be that'll be nice. But just pretty much a normal day for the most part. Yeah, that's... That's, that's birthdays as an adult. It'll do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have to like really plan ahead and like make it a special thing. And I'm just like, I don't, my, I my, don't feel the need to do that. My family asks for a, like, you know, a little gift list or something. And yeah. I, it's literally a chore for me to think of something that I want right. for them to buy for me. <laughs> so I, I don't know. First world problems. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, guys, we have to talk about lost to Boston College this week. Very unfortunate. Uh, we're going to also preview the upcoming game against Tennessee. And we do have a little bit of news before we get to that. Before we do any of that, don't forget everyone to subscribe on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, just go ahead and hit subscribe. That's very helpful for us. And leave a like on the video if you could. And check out our Patreon page. Just like our friend Tim Keens did. He is a Patreon supporter. He's in our Discord, always uh, keeping it lively with conversation. We're not always talking about Mizzou football, but we have a live chat where we're we're chatting during the games. Um, we were talking about video games the other day. Yeah, if you need a place to just blow off some steam when Mizzou's giving up 300 yards on the ground, we have a, a wonderful community of people in Discord that will chime right in with you. So that's what we've been doing. If you last need a couple place, weeks. if you yeah. need a place, that's that's a good one. So check that out if you want. Kyle, some news. We have a potential basketball commit announcing today. Not really. He's most likely going to go to Texas Tech. But Robert Jennings, a 2022 three-star forward out of Dallas, Texas, is deciding between a final two of Mizzou and Texas Tech today. Yeah, I mean, I really didn't know much about Robert Jennings until maybe like a month ago. And whenever I heard Mizzou was kind of a, a major player in his recruitment, but... They kind of came on the scene late and just like steamrolled everybody <laughs> yeah. except Texas A&M to get into this top two. Yeah, I do. I agree with you. I think he's going to go to Texas Tech. Texas but, Tech, yeah. Um, but um, I don't remember what I was going with that, but... You didn't really know about him until like a month ago. Oh, yeah. I I just feel like their, their class is, is pretty full at this point. Like, I think they'll... Maybe leave room for a transfer or something like that, but they're they ha- they don't have a whole lot of uh, maneuvering space. So yeah, I, th- I definitely think he's a he's a pretty big Texas Tech lean. Any other big news in the last week? We just jump right into this game. Uh, nothing comes to mind, really. I don't think so. Okay, so Boston College, Mizzou lost this game forty-one to thirty-four. I do have to mention that was exactly your score prediction for Mizzou to win. Yeah. And I said 41-35, and I specifically said it could very easily be flipped. Yeah. So that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, this game um, was pretty predictable from the get-go. I mean, we pretty much almost could have written the script. Uh, we just unfortunately had the wrong team um, on top. But Yeah, there were just a, a couple plays that 
went against Mizzou that made the difference? Yeah, I mean, Mizzou's defense was bad. Mizzou's offense was good, and I mean, it just was was pretty predictable. But the defense was just bad enough that the the offense couldn't afford any mistakes, and the offense had just enough mistakes that the defense couldn't. Yeah, you know, that's pretty much how it's, it. how it's been all season is Mizzou's offense has an incredibly thin margin of error because the defense is so bad. You know, they have to just keep scoring every single drive. So that's that's been that's been a struggle. Well, Kyle, I got to be honest with you. I was going to have a good time watching this game no matter what, because I was actually watching it from the hospital with my brand new now five day old daughter. Uh, named Olivia. She was laying on my chest. We watched the entire game. She napped on and off. And man, um, if I could do that for every single Mizzou game, and I probably will try to a lot, um, it's not going to matter to me a whole lot whether they win or lose. Yep. There's uh, there's bigger things in life for yeah. sure. Well, congratulations. Thank that's, you. That's mm-hmm. pretty big. Yeah. we never. I've never talked about that on the podcast because I don't know, just never came up, but Mizzou sports and being a and being a dad, well, you yeah. could you could tie those t- two things they together. They sure tied together nicely on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Well, how are you feeling now? You're you're five days in. Um, so like today, I'm going back to work for the first time, and um, that might seem early, but when you own your own business, you gotta do that kind of stuff sometimes. And uh, my wife is home, and she took the night shift last night, and let me sleep so that I could get up early and do this and then go to work. We've been kind of like trading off who does, who has the nighttime responsibilities. So sometimes you don't get quite as much sleep, but yeah, she, she Olivia has been uh, eating really well, sleeping really well. It's been kind of a breeze. The key is like to just really let you know, she burps immediately after eating. And then is just so content for like the next three hours. It's fantastic. Wow, just one single burp will do it, huh? Yeah, apparently. Just knock out the next three hours. Well, that's good advice. I'll remember that someday. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. She's either going to burp or not. So <laughs> just got to get lucky. Uh, but shout out to any other uh, dads in our community. I'm, I'm one of you now. These guys got some catching up to do. Back to the Boston College game. Um, I wrote down three kind of key takeaways from this game. And tell me if you think this is like earth shattering information. Tyler Beatty is still good. Mizzou's run D is atrocious. And we should start carving Harrison Mevis into Harrison Mevis into the Mizzou football Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I mean, this, I, I don't know that I can give you much of an argument on any three of those. I mean, especially Harrison Mevis for sure. That's That's a given, but... He's so good. He's good. He he's gonna be the greatest Mizzou football player of all time by the time he's done. Yeah, he really is. And when you account for like just mastery of your position and impact on Mizzou games, like I don't know, the man is a machine. I mean, uh, on, what he can do on the field, but when you hear like his interviews off the field or whatever, he's just the same way. Like he's just like, no, I knew I was gonna make it. Mm-hmm. I, this is what I do. This is my job. <laughs> yeah. I had no doubt in my mind I was gonna make the kick, and that's how he is all the time. He's just a machine. He's going to break our heart at some point. He probably will. But nobody will blame him. But I already feel like he's stored up enough goodwill at oh this yeah. point that, you know, there's nothing yeah. he could do that will change my mind about him unless he just starts missing every kick, which right. will never happen. What, uh, what is he like? I think on the broadcast they said he's now made 
uh, he's 11 for 11 on the season yeah i think he's perfect on the yeah. season for sure i think he missed like one field goal last year maybe yeah. but I, th- I don't think he's missed an extra point before no but whenever we got the ball back with you know we're obviously going to kind of go through the game a little bit here but whenever we got the ball back with whatever you know less than a minute or whatever it was, was like I've, 25 seconds 25 right? seconds yeah. left i s- still felt like it's fine yeah. like uh, this is not ideal but we got a shot down here. three yeah. exactly how i felt at the end of the arkansas game last year we yeah. got the ball back with you know less than a minute all we have to do is complete a, literally a pass or two yeah. and you know we're in in field goal range so with harrison evis at least right yeah i was ready for them to like kick it before they got the extra like five yards I obviously thought, they really needed that, i thought they could have yes um i was like freaking out that they were going to run out of time by accident that was brilliant to get those extra few yards yeah um yeah we jumped ahead a little bit there but <laughs> just a tad we're, yeah. we're going backwards <laughs> we're gonna work our way backwards um this this game had all the hallmarks i feel like of a mizzou football game under eli Drinkwitz. like i we've seen this game before yeah and there's this kind of trend happening mizzou is not ever out of games but i don't know these swings in a game are kind of crazy yeah like Mizzou started out fast, you know, scored, um, got the ball back on a interception. And like, if they go up 14, 0 that changes how Boston college has to play the rest of the game. And, you know, I think Mizzou can kind of play their style and Boston college isn't going to be able to just run the ball almost exclusively. Yeah, it was, uh, it really was actually a pretty big deal that Mizzou is not able to score a second time there and go up 14 to zero. Um, because I think that would have put the pressure on, like you said, Boston College to have to pass. Yeah. And um, I almost felt like they were like, okay, we scored that first touchdown. We just got an interception. And they kind of almost felt like they took a breath a little bit and relaxed. And I wish they would have been able to to punch it in. Did they have to punt on that second drive after the mm, interception? Yeah, I think so. If they were able to score there, that might have really changed the way the game was played a little bit and put more pressure on Boston College to feel like they needed to score and, and throw the ball quickly. The Mizzou, I'm pretty sure that was, I'm pretty sure they punted and they downed it like at the one yard line. Yeah, I think you're right. And then Boston College was in a third and six and completed a pass to Zay Flowers, a big chunk on third and six. Mizzou defense couldn't get off the field. The very next play was a 67 yard touchdown run. And I'm pretty sure maybe nobody touched him. Uh, He was touched. There was, there was a few missed tackles. Okay. I mean, they were like arm tackles that he just ran right through like he didn't get touched but what i I just i i just can't i don't know man i don't know why we're so soft on defense it's primarily some of the same players i know they're running a new scheme but i don't know somebody's gonna have to meet somebody in the middle here like the players are gonna have to step up um and i know they're you know we're working with limited skill probably here recruiting obviously has to improve in it and it has that, but that's going to take a little bit of time. You can't just sign up a faster guy right now or a guy that's, you know, the guys are going to have to step up or Steve Wilkes is going to have to change the scheme a little bit to cater to their strengths. And that's probably beyond my football knowledge. I right. don't know how you do with something like that. I don't know how you simplify the scheme, but somebody has to figure something out. Yeah. What are we going to do? Just keep giving up 300 plus yards on the ground every game. Yeah. Um, I believe it was Martez Manuel who was, uh, speaking to the media and said he was ready to like shut people up on Twitter about the run defense before this game. And then um, Boston College running back Pat Garwo had a new career high rushing 
in the third quarter. A Boston fun time College, he probably had. Yeah. Yo, uh, you could say that. Boston College as a team rushed 49 times for 275 yards. Yeah, it's funny. Just like the first, you know, I don't know if it was the first, just that first drive, they try to throw a deep pass and it gets intercepted. And, and they're then like, they're like, okay, we'll not okay do this yeah, we have no reason to pass ever again. Yeah. If Mizzou's run defense is even, if it's, if it's bad, yeah. we win. But it was worse, Probably way the, worse than bad. The Kentucky game, too. Yeah. Just, like, be a little bit below average, and we're fine. Yep. Um, the, the swings in this game, though, I, I wrote them down here, I think. Uh, it went from 14-7 Mizzou to 27-17 Boston College to 31-27 Mizzou, and then Boston College won 41-34. Yeah. So, and that's not the first game. I feel like, you know, we've talked about many times, Barry Odomera, team gets punched in the mouth early, they lay down, it's going to get messy. Mm-hmm. Eli Drinkwitz team, they yeah. overcome adversity during the game, but they're kind of like shooting themselves in the foot to create that adversity themselves. Right. And then at least they are battling back, but then, you know, sometimes too little too late or... Yeah, I think people are probably tired of hearing this, um, especially when we're losing games. But like, it really is pretty. It's it's a great sign whenever the teams fight back and yeah. with with Coach Drinkwitz. I, I that happens every game, even the games we lose, we show fight. And I know the moral victory thing is uh, people are tired of that. I understand, but I promise you, it's better than where we were. <laughs> it was just like anytime something bad happened, we were just out of it. That's why that's where we were before this. Right, and, and uh, our dear listeners, think about your mindset when Boston College went up 27-17. Like, I personally was thinking, well, this sucks. This is over. Yeah. Like, you know, Boston College is doing whatever they want. Yeah, it's really easy to resort to that yeah. and just be like, okay, well, we, we tried and yeah. we didn't. So, for and just like, you know, the Arkansas game last year or um, other games like that, when Missouri gets down and they're just like, okay, well, the offense is kind of like defense just get us a couple stops and we'll try to get us back in this game mm-hmm. and they've done it um and the offense is always putting us in a, in a position to score or even to win i think we've we've had the ability to win both of the games we've lost this year on the last drive kentucky we were driving down the field to potentially tie the game something like that something, something like that i've tried to block it out of my mind that was a while back and the, in this game uh we were again we're in overtime had the ball to tie the game well, and the con- defense had the shot to win it yeah before that you're right regulation you're, you're exactly right and Connor Basilak said after the game that they were had already decided they were going for two right that kind of like hurt my heart a yeah. little bit to know like if we scored there they were going for two to win the game yeah. potentially honestly like losing it by going for two and not getting it so much more palatable than how we lost this game still brutal but I agree gosh that, yeah and, and, of course, now Connor Bazelak is getting heat from fans because he threw two interceptions, threw that awful pick in overtime. But this loss is not on Connor Bazelak. No. It's not on the play calling. It's not really on the offense whatsoever. Right. Do they pr- win this game if Bazelak does not throw two interceptions? Maybe. Like, yeah. They definitely have a better shot. His two interceptions were atrocious. Like... The one earlier in the game, just like 
sailed the ball and there was there was no real chance for his receiver to make a play on it it was just an easy interception yeah but that's the problem is he needs to be able to have margin for error and people like quarterbacks throw interceptions that's part of the game and he needs to be able to throw an interception and not just be blamed for losing the game because you know the defense has not given him any room to to make mistakes unfortunately yeah um I'm looking at the box score a little bit here. Yeah, he was uh, 30 for 41 passing, 300 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And Tyler Beatty had four yards per carry, and but they just kind of, when they were down, they couldn't really afford to just keep running the ball. Yep. Um, Tyler Beatty did what he needed to do with the touches he was given, but... Boston College ran the clock almost the entire third oh quarter. Oh my god, that third quarter. Like I've never you, seen anything like that, that in was my kind life. Of insane. I I honestly thought they were just going to hold the ball the entire quarter. They they almost they did. pretty much I think did. Missouri had two plays for like 23 seconds yeah, worth of the clock. They Boston College had the ball like 14 of the 15 minutes basically. Yeah. Like wh- how is that even possible? Yeah. So so when Missouri gets the ball back down you you can't run the ball. No. You gotta get, be getting chunks through the air. Yep. And that was the most demoralizing drive or quarter I think I've seen in a while. Well, I'm gonna push back on that, and I'm gonna present to you the uh, drive where Boston College took the lead, the six-minute drive. I okay. could. Yep, I forgot about that. Because Missouri battled all the way back to take the lead. <laughs> as I said previously, 31-27. Uh, on that drive, Tyler Beatty had a ridiculous like He's catch amazing. below his knees and like one-handed ran for a first down. That's amazing. Uh, there were some really clutch uh, receptions by Barrett Bannister. Um, Connor Bazelak looked really good for most of this game. Like outside of those literally two throws, I think he looked fantastic. Comfortable as always. There was one throw that was behind Dominic Lovett that could have been a big play. Yeah, but. Um, other than that, I thought he was great. I love how he spreads the ball around. I mean, like literally like almost 10 receivers in, yeah. in the game yeah. caught a ball, or including tight ends and running backs. Right, right. But, uh, yeah, that last drive f- for Boston College in regulation, uh, that just felt like inevitable. They got the ball back with, what, six minutes left? Yeah. I, I, I think I agree with you. I mean, with, I think we all knew what was going to happen. Yeah and it's unfortunate Missouri had to have a a fumble or something I feel like they needed a turnover yeah to salvage that and Boston College even like tried to do a couple things to help out Missouri's defense there was that like offensive face mask call that you never see but was warranted yeah it's almost like uh you know they were they were driving they were getting close to the red zone and then that kind of freak penalty happened and it moved them back 15 yards but then they and, just ate up more clock. And it exactly. Yeah. It almost like ended up hurting us yeah. by giving them more time to just eat more clock or whatever, yeah. like you said. So if that had happened like three plays earlier, if that had moved them back from like the fifty to the thirty five, right. and then they were gonna have to like throw a little bit more, mm-hmm. that, that might have been, been different. Might have been different. But they were close enough already that they were like, Yeah, yeah we got time. We'll just keep running yeah, the ball. Yeah, it's fine. Fifteen yards, it's nothing. We get that on every run. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> this is painful. Grossel, Boston College quarterback. Yeah. 
he had some like incredibly clutch plays too. Yeah. Just like he just laying out for first down plays yeah. and out of bounds. He just did exactly what he needed to do. Yeah. I mean, he honestly, the quarterbacks in this matchup played really, really well. There was three interceptions between them, but that was not their performances were not defined by those interceptions. They they looked under control. I mean, he did not look like a backup quarterback. He looked like he could be starting a lot of different places. Yeah, he's an experienced player, and he looked like he knew his role in that game. And the role is do just enough to let my running back shine and just maybe get a few third downs here and there, and that's exactly what he did. Get the ball to Zay Flowers a few times. Yeah. Let him do his thing. Yeah. Um. Harrison Mevis deserves better. Uh, he like he seems like an awesome teammate, like based on the interviews and stuff like you were talking about earlier. But man, when you go out there and just do your job to literal perfection and the team around you just can't quite hold up their end of the bargain, that's got to be frustrating. Like, sure, I know he's probably not thinking about it like that, but... If any, like, I don't know, maybe he can spin it mentally to be like, well, at least I'm doing what I need to do. Like I did my job and now we got to pick up, you know, our teammates here. Like that's probably how the good teammate would think about it. But I would struggle with that, honestly. Yeah, I think it's human nature to to be frustrated about something like that. But uh, at the same time, he's a machine and he isn't capable of human emotions. (laughs) (laughs) He's incredible. Like, yeah. Like at this pace, though, literally, you can't keep him off like a... If he continues this for the rest of his career, you can't keep him off of a Mizzou Mount Rushmore. Oh, absolutely not. I it, mean, he, he legitimately could be drafted by an NFL team. And, yeah. like, kickers do not get drafted. Right. Like, that's how good he is. Like, yeah. I could actually see that happening. Like, somebody throwing a six-round pick at him or something someday. Yeah. 56-yard field goal to send it into overtime. Didn't matter, though. It's amazing. The overtime period was... An quick. abject failure. <laughs> Very quick. Yeah. Like, like okay, Boston College scores easily. Yeah, we could have predicted that. First play, Missouri's overtime. Interception, game over. Well, it's just funny, too, because they don't throw deep very much in no. the whole game and then yeah. just first play of overtime. Yeah. Is that why they don't throw deep very often? Is Connor Bays like, is that his weakness? It's just the deep ball? I, I don't even know if that's a deep ball. It was only like a 30, 25, 30-yard right. pass, yeah. but something beyond a screen pass yeah i mean that was definitely like a let my receiver go up and make a play but it just wasn't thrown no i mean if you're gonna do that you should overthrow it not underthrow yeah and you gotta be more i mean obviously this is not the easiest thing in the world to do but you gotta give it your receiver a better chance to make the play than the defender right and that was just kind of like if the receiver was going to make a play there, it was going to be spectacular, and he right. was going to have to, like, just... Who even was a receiver there? Do you I remember? I think it was Chisholm. That's, I, th- I thought it might have been But that. I'm not sure. It's it, just unfortunate that we're sitting here at the end of this game complaining about Connor Bazelak because we shouldn't be, but it feels like, you know, th- some of those big moments could have gone better, and Connor Bazelak could have been better in those big moments, but I still feel like we just don't really have the right to be, like, complaining about, about his play because no. he's been good enough. No, that 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 play in overtime though is just like obviously it's a microcosm an easy thing to point to as like oh for sure what was this exactly yeah that was that was frustrating. So where do we go from here, Kyle? <laughs> oh man, um, 
this is it, it's been a little disappointing it's been a little bit of disappointing season um the way college football is structured is you, know, you don't have very many opportunities you play what 12 games on the season half of those games are games you're almost certainly going to win or certainly certainly going to lose and so you've got what four or five swing games against teams that are kind of similarly ranked to you and you have to win those that's kind of what makes or breaks your season when yep. you're a team like missouri every year you got to beat some of the kentuckys the tennessees the boston colleges those kind of programs we've already played two of those games and lost them both yeah and it's a little disappointing when you're sitting in that seat and the season hasn't gone exactly how any of us had really thought the defense is a lot worse than we had hoped and yeah. it's frustrating yeah um i'm going to plead with the fans out there that might be listening to this let's think about this season so far a little bit differently than we might be let's imagine that a few plays in the kentucky and boston college game go another way and we're sitting at 4-0 with obvious issues on this team let's that's basically how we should be viewing this team at two and two it's the same team that could be 4-0 with the same issues their record right now reflects about how good they are you know so freaking out like obviously if we were 4-0 nobody would be talking about uh anything to do with coach Drinkwitz's job no nobody should be doing that anyway no nobody would be thinking about connor bays like not being the starting quarterback there would be big question marks on defense people would probably justifiably be questioning Steve yeah. Wilkes and his game plan and the scheme fit with the players and what's not going right here. Mm -hmm. We should be doing that if this team was 4-0. Right. Yeah, we would have concerns and we would probably say I'm concerned about this Kentucky, or I mean about this Tennessee game coming up uh, because we may not be able just to keep getting away with this terrible play, right. but you know, uh, we would kind of gloss over some of those issues maybe a little bit and just be happy to be 4-0 right. but we would view this team almost exactly the same way we do now at 2-2 two and two. right and that's where we just I think we need to be able to look at some of these games with nuance and see what's going right and not just see the wins and losses as super black and white but even though it is really frustrating to lose of course right now all that being said the way that this defense can't stop the run yeah and they've proven that multiple times now has definitely changed my outlook for the rest of the season oh for sure if a team on this schedule moving forward has any form of decent offensive line play or elite running backs or god help us a combination of the two mizzou's defense is in for a long day yeah and there's it's just all bets are off i like, think it was uh uh, what's his name? Wall Jasper on Twitter said, you know, if every offensive line you're running into yeah. is, you know, all American or something, it's probably right. not, it's probably you. Yeah. And you know, it, it was, that wasn't exactly the tweet, but it yeah. was, that was this, basically what he said was, yeah, it's uh it seems like we've played a lot of good offensive lines and a lot right. of good rushing attacks, but yeah. I think that's just Missouri getting exploited a little Boston bit. Boston college. Now the, the broadcast did say Boston college has an offensive they, lineman who might go in the first round. They do have of the draft. an experienced line. Yes, they do. I don't know if that was just, you know, a little bit of uh, something, something for the Boston College fans watching the game. 
it seems like I've said this before, but the broadcast crew like bumps up the draft stock of the players on the field, like yeah. in that particular game. Yeah. Like if you listen to the broadcast, there's like 87 players around the, around the country that might be first round draft picks <laughs> because just whoever's playing you in that know. game. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's, let's move forward to this Tennessee game. Um, I got bad news for you, Kyle. Tennessee's offensive line is not bad and they have two quite good running backs. One of which, um, Evans, is his last name, said that he is looking forward to, basically said he's looking forward to the Mizzou game and thinks they will be having fun. He and his running back mate, Small. Two running backs, two good running backs. They split carries for Tennessee, and they are anticipating having a good game against Missouri. If Martez Manuel was ready to shut up Twitter last week, I would really feel like he would feel that way, especially now after this quote came out. I mean, this is a perfect example of something you probably shouldn't say, uh, especially before the game, um, because you're really putting yourself out there, but it may just not matter in this game yeah. um, because he's probably exactly right, unfortunately. Uh, I can't even be mad about it because he's exactly right and that's exactly how Missouri season has gone and there's literally nothing to deter anybody from thinking that right like uh well what is this is bulletin board material like like I challenge any Mizzou fan to like be able to actually have a problem with this (laughs) statement because yeah like he's right I don't know what to tell you why wouldn't he think that they're going to have fun in this game? I feel like this has been the season full of like antics from press conferences yeah. before the games. Like last, you know, last week against Boston College. Like I feel like Coach Drinkwood's comment about playing a region, he would prefer to play a regional game and stuff. I feel like that got way blown out of proportion. Yeah. But he also kind of left himself open to yes. that coming back to bite him. Yeah, he did. Just by not being careful with his word choice. Right. Yeah. I think he, I really don't feel like he meant any inflammatory remark by that, yeah. but it ended up, you could have, I guess you could interpret it as inflammatory, but anyways, yeah. And then this week is the Tennessee running back comment. So please let that spark something in you. If you were a Missouri player on the defense, like that has to motivate you. If that doesn't, what will? Yeah. They don't respect you. <laughs> right. You got it. You got to be better. Tennessee, of course, is coached by our old friend Josh Heupel, making his return to Columbia, Missouri. Um, he's been okay as Tennessee's coach. Um, I he was good at UCF. Um, he's got Tennessee's offense kind of playing pretty well. They, um, I honestly thought that Harrison Bailey was going to be their guy at quarterback this season, but it turns out he was not the guy. They went with uh, Hendon Hooker so far this season, but he got hurt against Florida, and they brought in Joe Milton at quarterback. So we actually don't know who we're going to see in this game for Tennessee at quarterback, but uh, Hendon Hooker has looked really good. He's completing 65% of his throws. He's got seven touchdowns and just one interception, and he's quite mobile. He is another player that can beat you on the ground, which is not something you want to hear as a Mizzou fan. So if he is the starting quarterback for Tennessee, I think it's going to be a long day for Missouri's defense. If we see Joe Milton at quarterback, that's probably better for Missouri. But I don't think, honestly, I think he's good enough to 
for the offense to function. But he's I don't I think Hendon Hooker is their guy long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much all he needs to do. Exactly like we talked about with the Boston College quarterback, be efficient on your throws whenever you have to on the you know third and six or whatever it is. But for the most part, I think they're going to want to run the ball all day long, and they'll probably not have a whole lot of reason to throw. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. And we talked about in the Boston College preview that getting them behind the chains on first and second down was going to be huge. But And they did that a few times. Like There was a few times in the Boston College game where we got them in third and six, third and eight, and Missouri just couldn't get off the field. They got enough stops eventually later in the game. And it does seem like Missouri's defense maybe is better in the second halves of games. But then you still see these like demoralizing, right? It's like six-minute drives. Sometimes when they really need to stop in like clutch moments, they can. They've done it a couple of times. But is that more of just a factor of, you know, if you're letting a team score every single drive, then you're like almost felt like worst of all time. So being worst in a given season is not quite that bad. Back to Tennessee. We talked about their running backs. They're both averaging about five yards per carry. Um, they both looked pretty good against Florida, but Tennessee fell behind early and kind of had to move off of the run game a little bit. Um, Tennessee's defense, I don't think, is anything real special. Um, Florida kind of had their way with them, scored uh, 38 points, I believe, and they did it a variety of ways. Um, I don't know. I, I'm... I'm optimistic that Missouri's offense can kind of just keep doing what they've been doing. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason. There's nothing about Tennessee's defense that really scares me as far as like holding Mizzou to like a low point so far this season, honestly. I think they'll be scoring right around what they have been. I see Tennessee's defense being a little bit softer than Kentucky's defense. Yeah, I mean, I kind of feel like Tennessee's pretty comparable to what we saw with Boston College. I feel like they'll run the ball really well. They have a, a quarterback that's not going to beat you to the air, but he can extend plays on the ground. Their defense is adequate, but not great or bad. I feel like this game could go pretty similarly to what we saw last week, and I think it's going to be another high-scoring game potentially because we're going to see, hopefully, a lot of possessions for both teams in this game. Both teams play pretty up-tempo. Uh, I saw a tweet uh, from at Chris Hummer on Twitter uh, that Tennessee runs almost three plays per minute, which is first nationally by a pretty wide margin. We know that about Josh Heupel's offenses. Yeah. They want to fly, and uh, they're just going to run a ton of plays, and that can come back to bite you if you know they're getting quick three and outs. That can be... That can be awesome. It could be debilitating for the offense that's doing that. Uh, Missouri is 28th in the country. They run a lot. They, you know, play pretty quickly too. So there could be a ton of possessions in this game. If, you know, maybe teams aren't getting things going, that Mm -hmm. probably isn't going to happen. But Missouri has to, I don't know, man, it's tough. Like uh, I think Barrett Bannister gave an interesting quote this week because he actually played for Josh Heupel. Like, cause he's right. like been around that long right. uh, in Mizzou's program. But he basically said, you know, we can't just go get conditioned in a week. We have to have already been in shape in football shape and conditioned. And if you're not, you're going to get exposed this week because 
Tennessee's going to run a play, and then immediately they're going to be running another one, and you yeah. got to be ready for it. So hopefully we can force some quick, you know, some quick drives, some quick three and outs, um, get Tennessee out of rhythm. But I'm afraid that we're going to the defense is going to be on the field a lot. Yeah, um, early in the Florida game, before Hooker went out with injury, he was hitting their receivers on some deep balls that looked really pretty and Tennessee's wide receivers were able to get separation from Florida's defensive backs so it's concerning uh for sure if if Hendon Hooker is ready to go and plays this whole game I can see Tennessee's offense having a really good day um so I think we saw exactly how Mizzou wins this game by looking at the Boston College game kind of like what you were saying Mizzou wins this game. It's it's going to be similar game script, I feel like, to Boston College, but probably faster paced. And but if Tennessee is finding success running the ball, then they're going to be playing fast, but just run it down Missouri's throat. Yeah. And so Missouri can win this game if the defense can just be a little bit better, or we get lucky on the turnover differential, then. Missouri's right there to win it, I think. Missouri loses this game pretty easily if they have the same type of game that they had against Boston College because I think Tennessee is a little bit better. I agree with you. I agree. Uh, I just feel like, unfortunately, the defense is what it's going to be at this point. I hope things can change. I, I'm not very optimistic. I think this is a bad matchup for what Missouri's bad at. I I don't think Missouri can win this game. I mean, they can. I don't think they will. Yeah. I think it's going to be high scoring again, though. Okay. You got an official prediction for me? Uh, Give me 42 to 31, Tennessee. I'll take Mizzou 39 to 37 Harrison Harrison Mevis kick win the game I don't even know how you get to 39 points but I'll take it you know it's it, my predictions are more of just like an abstract like right like I might be within a point here on the other side of it I don't actually think through how you get to that point total mm. it's just like that's kind of how I feel more like the the difference between the points scored is that what you're thinking about yeah yeah okay like it uh i'm thinking like it's like basically an average like a simulated average after a hundred i don't know it's pretty very that's not very complicated we're gonna gonna cut all this well i mean (laughs) (laughs) um cameron i have one thing to ask you before we move on to sec pick them uh i was talking to somebody uh with pretty strong ties in the st louis area this week um, I think a lot of people in St. Louis think, um, you know, we, Travian Ford, Mookie Cooper, some of those guys should probably be a little bit more involved than they've been so far. Um, there's a reason that uh, college football coaches get paid a lot of money because they have to deal with a lot of issues. They have to, a lot of, they have to deal with um, re- expectations. They have to deal with um, how to manage a team of 80 players or whatever it is and make sure that people are are happy and you're still winning games at the same time. Um, I think some people think that Travian Ford is probably one of the better 
players on the defensive line right now for a defensive line that has not shown really anything. Wouldn't take a lot in the run game or in the pass game. Uh, what do you, what do you think as far as getting some playing time for some of those younger players? Is it time um, for Missouri to try and find ways to get Travian Ford involved or some of, some of the younger guys on the defense? Like, or is it you know obviously the coach is probably not intentionally leaving out talented players you know I don't think there's anything that coach has against Travian Ford or any or you know or any players like that um that may be highly ranked that are just really young players but I feel like sometimes he probably feels more comfortable with that experience on the field yeah what are your thoughts on that well it's very hard to expect freshmen or players in general that don't have a lot of snaps under their belt to come in and be able to contribute um so I understand going with the more experienced player if the if the like talent plus experience for the veteran player uh, roughly matches the maybe greater talent but less experience of the younger player. Um, I can understand going with the older guy and it makes sense that you would think that that would lead to more wins. There's two ways I kind of think about this. If you... I don't think Coach Drinkwitz or anybody in this staff is like even anywhere close to punting on this season or anything that the fans think about like that. Like, again, we're a couple plays away from being 4-0. The, the staff has to be thinking constantly. A few tweaks here. Like, they're working. Yeah. Like, between games, they're working on how to get this team better. So they're thinking... We're going to go beat Tennessee. We're going to beat North Texas. And then we're going to have a huge game at home against Texas A&M. They're thinking, how do we beat Tennessee? Yeah. We put the best players out there that are showing in practice that they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about Travion Ford, there's just, I think the way that fans are thinking about the season is just radically different than how the coaching staff actually views it. I think the fans are thinking like, well, this season's lost. You know, we lost to Kentucky. We lost to Boston College. The defense is terrible. Let's throw some young guys out there. Or the fans might be thinking that the staff is viewing it like we want to keep these guys redshirted so that they can have an impact when more of our recruits are in the system. I don't think the coaching staff is looking at it in either one of those ways. Just how do we win this week? Yeah. And if you had to press Coach Drinkwitz on like further than one week at a time, he's thinking, let's get six wins and get to a bowl game. Let's get six wins as fast as we can so that we can go to a bowl game. And so I just think the fans just, the people who are not in the rooms with the staff making these decisions just have a completely different frame of reference. Yeah. And it's hard to get into the mindset of the coaches and what they're trying to do personnel-wise. I think if the season keeps going like it is and we're, you know, at the after the Georgia game, if Missouri's got three games left and we're still struggling and a bowl game is, like, not – like, if we need to win – one of our last three games to get to six wins then i'd be more inclined to be like 
Let's get these guys some playing time. But again, I could easily come back. I could hear an argument of like, no, let's keep these red shirts intact and let these guys have more eligibility when these better recruiting classes are coming in to act as reinforcements. Yeah. I think it's important just as fans and we're in the, I'm, I'm not saying this condescendingly. I, we are in the same boat as you guys that are listening to this podcast. We're fans. We get emotional. Um, and we want to see Missouri succeed more than anything else. But I think it's important to not become a prisoner of the moment and just, you know, kind of see how this season fits into the entire process, the entire Drinkwitz era. Um, this is actually a, uh, a stock market term that I like to think sometimes, but when in doubt, just zoom out and just kind of look at this whole season. And maybe it's been a little bit disappointing so far, but let's not hit the panic button. And, you know, some of those young guys, I think they're going to have their time at Mizzou. They're going to have long, successful careers if they just stay here, you know, stay in the process and go through the the, the program with, with uh, the coaches they have. I think things are going to be fine. It's taken a little more time than I think we had hoped, but I, I think it, they'll we'll get there. They're going to have help coming in in the recruiting, uh, the recruiting game and all that stuff. So um, just take some time to re- reflect, I guess, on what's happened, but... I think uh, the future is still bright. I don't really think my expectations for what Drinkwitz can accomplish in the next three to five years has changed whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, there was an excellent Twitter thread by friend of the show, one of our Patreon supporters. Um, he laid it out like, look at the success that Gary Pinkle had or lack thereof in his first five seasons at Missouri. Look at the recruiting classes we have compared to what we were working with then and what we've been working with the last five years. Just let's pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, if imagine, like try to put yourself in the shoes of the coaching staff. If they were like trying to have a conversation with a fan who is being like, like how would you, you can't even engage with that line of thinking that a lot of us are exhibiting or seeing on Twitter. A couple of mistakes mean you're fired. Yeah, like you can't even you literally just have to ignore it. So that's how far off base some of this thinking is right now. Like massive panic. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's nothing to panic about. There's obvious deficiencies within the X's and O's of the football team each week. Yeah. But both of those things are true. Yeah. Tell us, tell us what you think about that. I guess in the comments, (laughs) tell us how we're, how we're settling for mediocrity. Yeah. <laughs> ready to pick up. some games? I'm ready. All right. Let's do it. All righty. How'd we do last week? Uh, Patreon supporter Ryan won the week Ooh. with seven points, six correct picks, and one upset. Mm. Um, Kyle and I both had six points. Uh, me with five and one upset and Kyle was six correct picks and Cameron had five points Mm. I'll do better this week so that brings season total the Patreon guest pickers are in the lead with 26 points Cameron has 24 I have 22 and Kyle has 20 okay okay catching up a little bit we got some work to do this week man we lose to our own listeners (laughs) 
They're doing a good they're job. They're not included next year. They just, they, they if they just, win, they're out. They just get to come <laughs> take over the show, I guess. I guess. It's your show now. how it works. <laughs> All right. Our first game this week is number eight, Arkansas, at number two, Georgia. Georgia is a 18.5 point favorite. Imagine being number eight in the country, undefeated, and being a 14.5 point underdog. That's college football for you. Who is our uh, guest picker this week? Our guest picker is Tristan. Okay. Uh, welcome in. Welcome Tristan. in. Welcome in, Tristan. Uh, I, who was this? Georgia and who? Arkansas. 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 Arkansas big road dog mm-hmm. to the dogs. Oh man, Arkansas! What in the world? How are they so good? All of a sudden, KJ Jefferson. Give me uh, Georgia, though. Yeah, Georgia. Everybody on Georgia. Man, I'd like to see what the line would be if Arkansas was at home. Maybe 10. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> 10 and a half. Yeah. Can Georgia win the national championship this year? Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, game two. Number 12, Ole Miss at number one, Alabama. Alabama is a 14 and a half point favorite. Same thing. I wish I wish the home field was reversed, but. These could be pretty decent games. I, I think this could be a sneaky close game. I'd like to see both of these games be close. That'd be really fun. Um I still think Alabama wins. Yeah, I think Alabama wins too, but Ole Miss is going to present a challenge for them, I think. this will. Uh, Ole Miss has one of the best offenses in the country. Yeah, this might be... If they lose this one, this very well could be the only game they lose this season. Do you Three see of the, us. Do you see the clip of uh, Mike Wilbon, like, trashing Lane Kiffin? No. Like, saying he was a clown and stuff? <laughs> that was a really weird Recent? take. No, like, yeah, this week. Huh. It's like, okay, Lane Kiffin has had a questionable pass potentially, yeah. but I feel like he's, Seems like he's doing okay now. He's doing fine. They have a yeah. really good football team. Anyways. He's been, I don't think he's had any like big controversies recently or no, anything. No, he just, I think he was too young to be like an NFL coach at the time oh, and for sure. all that stuff, but whatever. Seems to be doing just fine now. Three of us, Alabama, Tristan, Ole Miss. He was, he was in the discord. He's taking some heat. <laughs> well, yeah, that and trying to get some extra bonus points if he gets that one right. But I uh, know that's not how they that have Sorry, the lead. Justin. And that was my idea, though. So <laughs> don't blame him. Kyle's trying to give him bonus points when they're already winning. And, yeah, <laughs> Ole Miss is not winning that game, though. So. <laughs> All right, next game is Troy at South Carolina. South Carolina is a seven-point favorite. Troy's known for doing some funky stuff. Yeah, uh, but I'll I'll go with South Carolina. I'll take Troy. Ooh. Where's that played? At South Carolina? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they could win. They definitely could. All right. Number 10, Florida. Well, who would you and uh, Tristan pick? Sorry. South Carolina. Okay. Mm. Blazing their trail. I'm ready. <laughs> Number 10, Florida at Kentucky. Florida is an eight-point favorite. Wow. Vegas doesn't like Kentucky very much. They haven't been super impressive since that Mizzou game, unfortunately. Mm. You know, neither has uh, Central Michigan, really. It's funny mm. how that's working out. Interesting. Um, give me Florida. What? Yeah, didn't Florida beat Kentucky, like, so many years in a row? I think Kentucky broke that streak uh, recently, but uh, time to build a new one. Give me Florida. <laughs> Everybody on Florida. Sounds about right. All right. Mississippi State at Texas A&M number 15 Texas A&M Texas A&M is a seven point favorite hmm. 
I feel like Texas A&M getting a little bit disrespected by Vegas there. I feel like I can't believe I didn't pick Arkansas last week because I knew A&M was fraudulent. Yeah. But uh, how fraudulent are they? Yeah. <laughs> Mississippi <laughs> State and uh, Texas A&M. Where is it at? I'm sorry. At A&M. At A&M. Uh, Mississippi 12th, State. Uh, they suck. <laughs> Both these teams are fraudulent. Give me A&M. Wow. Less, less fraudulent. Yeah, I'll take A&M at home. Everybody on A&M. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> All right. The game everyone's been waiting for, UConn at Vanderbilt. Oh, oh my god. This game somehow got a like primetime slot or something just because the teams are so embarrassing. Vanderbilt is a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. That's insane. 14-and-a-half-point <laughs> underdog to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt has won a game so True. far, right? So, UConn's um, own five, I think. Mm-hmm. How have they played five games already? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, UConn's very bad. They're so bad. But Vanderbilt, like, for sure wins this game. Like, Vanderbilt might cover. UConn's that bad, I think. Yeah, I got to give me, got to do Vanderbilt here. Who's worse, though, UConn or Kansas? That would be, that would a, be matchup. a matchup yeah. for the ages. I mean, toilet bowl, toilet bowl. Exactly. Yeah, like winless matchup. Honestly, Kansas would probably win that game. They might. UConn's bad. <laughs> well, so is Kansas. That's true. They're both unbelievably horrible. Why are we still talking about them? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Number 22, Auburn at LSU. Uh, LSU is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Give me Auburn. Me too. Give me LSU. Oh, friggin' Homer. I knew it. <laughs> You're kidding me. You're going to get mad at me for trying to be different? He just thinks you always like LSU. Yeah, you always like LSU. Well, they won for me last week. Well, Tristan likes LSU too, so he's mm. with you. Oh, he must be a Homer too then. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and the game nobody cares about, Northwestern at Nebraska. Nebraska is a 12-point favorite. Okay, Northwestern's one of those really bad teams. They're bad, which is weird because they've been good yeah. in recently. Pat Fitzgerald on the hot seat? He should have left when he had the chance. He had some like really nice job offers and stayed. He's loyal. Well, he's also he's, on the hot seat now. He's going to build them back. I got Nebraska. I'll take Nebraska. Soccer. I'll take Nebraska. Gosh, Tristan man. takes Northwestern. Oh, I, don't like, I don't like picking Nebraska, but I have to here. Oh, well, yeah. They right. they uh, held their own last week against Michigan State. Absolutely. Overtime. Well, yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm, yeah, it shouldn't have got to overtime. I'm but getting blah, back blah, in the blah, lead yeah. after this week. The lead will be mine. Hmm. I can right. do it. Okay. We'll Mathematically, see. I'll tie it at least. I'll be tied for the lead. Yeah, there, there could be some shuffling around, so we'll yeah. see what happens. See you on the gridiron. Oh, the gridiron. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is it my turn now? Or Whatever you want to do. All right. Oh, no. Are we wrapping this up? You got everybody on here this time? I do. <laughs> Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Louis Hernandez, and Tim Keens. Thank you, everybody. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter, at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week. Have a good one.